0: The West Live. The West, the West Live West with Live. Ben O'Shea. COP28, the latest instalment of the UN's annual climate forum, is in the history books and it'll be remembered for its controversies, mostly surrounding the decision to stage it in the United Arab Emirates, a nation built on the sale of fossil fuel. And then there was the COP28 president, Sultan al-Jabbar, who is the CEO of an oil company. But now the talkfest has finished, we can take a look at the results and try to figure out if the world got any closer to preventing its own destruction. And here to help us do that is Director of the Institute for Climate, Energy and Disaster Solutions at the Australian National University, Professor Mark Howden. Professor Howden, welcome to The West Live. Good morning, Ben. And so there was a lot of last-minute manoeuvring on COP28 draft texts. Words were put in, words were taken out. Now we have a finalised statement. I've seen it labelled alternatively historic and also weak. What does the final statement say?
1: Uh, essentially, it says that it'd be a great idea if countries started to move away from fossil fuels.
0: No, oh, it does sound like a great idea. And so, does it go far enough?
1: Uh, probably not. I think uh, if you if you talk to the Pacific Islands, uh, they they you know term this essentially a death sentence. Uh, the whilst it does um recognize the need for fossil fuels as a group rather than just a single thing like coal, um which was in the glasgow text um, it recognises fossil fuels as a group are the problem and we need to transition away from them um, unfortunately the The details around um, how quickly we need to do that are pretty blurry um, and essentially it's an option. It's presented as uh, countries are encouraged to transition away from fossil fuels. So it's pretty weak language, but at least it's uh, um, moving in the right direction, but just not really fast enough or firmly enough.
0: Yeah, right. And so for people listening and thinking, oh, well, transition away from fossil fuels, that's what we want to do. Can you give us an idea of how specific language in a statement like this uh, creates wiggle room for nations to set their own path when it comes to fossil fuels?
1: Yeah, so, so when when it comes to that, um there's regal room in terms of rate of change, you know, so how quickly we do it. Um there's regal room in terms of whether you can uh, use carbon capture and storage and similar technologies uh, to offset or reduce your greenhouse gas emissions, uh, and and that's a very much an you know, a non-commercially viable technology at the moment, so um, so it gives a lot of time for people to say, "Oh, let's do this," um, but then when it doesn't work, we say, "Oops, you know, sorry about that." You know, but you know, fifteen years down the track, you've you've got a lot more accumulated climate change, um, uh, and and there's also um, wriggle room in terms of uh, the finance and the similar supportive actions around that, which might be needed to um, essentially compensate uh, Countries for damage,
0: mm. and so if you're looking at the end result of COP28, who would you say are the big winners in all this?
1: Uh, um, in in my, my take of it, is this is uh, exactly what the fossil fuel lobbies and countries uh, would have liked. Um, that, uh, it gives a, a strong impression of progress, but without real commitments to do so.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Like, when you're having a climate change forum and the big winners are the fossil fuel industry, I'm not sure you really got that one right. Uh, and so then you mentioned Pacific Island nations. Uh, would you say that they're the biggest losers in this? Who else lost big at COP28?
1: Well, probably in anyone who feels that uh, climate change is an issue for them, Um uh, so so it's not just the Pacific Islands, but there are obviously the, the low-lying Pacific Islands, uh, and sea level rise is, is, a, is a fundamental challenge to their existence. Uh, but right across the globe, including parts of Australia and especially southwestern WA, um, we're already seeing the impacts of climate change in a very substantial way, which is impacting on agriculture and water resources, on human health, on our environment. In in Australia, we've had the first mammalian climate change extinction. You know, so we're the flag bearers for animal extinction from climate change. So it's not a great, you know, look to have on an international stage. Um, and so, so pretty much anyone who um, is either concerned about what's already happening or what might happen in their patch or for their sector uh, should be concerned about this because it doesn't paint the way to reduce greenhouse gas emissions at the rate that's needed to offset climate change and keep it down to 1.5 degrees.
0: Mm. Well, you're talking about uh, that 1.5 degrees, uh, you know, we got the hottest Year on record this year in 2023, uh, we're going to give that 1.5 degrees a pretty good shake in the next couple of years. So where do we go from here?
1: Well, the projections from the last IPCC report we'd, we'd hit um, 1.5 degrees probably in the early 2030s and maybe earlier. And, and what we've seen this year, I would, would tend to say that's pretty much on track and, and, and we're probably on the earlier end of the spectrum. And, and that's a real concern because you know, 1.5 degrees uh, you know, starts to so really cut in with, with large scale um, consequences. Um, so where do we go from here? Uh, Well, it it really means that Australia has to take some more leadership roles, Uh, so we have to be walking the talk uh, to an extent that we um, have only just started to recently. Um, We need to find ways of having a prosperous uh, economy, um, a viable environment. but. Um, but at the same time um, reduce our greenhouse gas emissions. And, and by and large, we know how to do that. You know, we've got lots of options in the energy sector, in the transport sector, um, including in the mining sector, uh, to reduce our emissions But get the things that we want. and And that's where the smarts need to come in, you know, How do we get the stuff that we want but with a much lower environmental footprint? And if we do that well, we'll actually end up with major export opportunities and and major pride in our nation because we'll actually be leading the world.
0: Yeah, I think pretty good advice indeed and just hope the people in power are listening because we know hindsight is twenty twenty. but, uh, geez, 15 years from now, if we look back uh, and think of all we could have done to prevent a looming disaster, geez, we'll feel pretty bloody stupid, that's for sure. Uh, Director of the Institute for Climate, Energy and Disaster Solutions at the Australian National University, Professor Mark Howden. Thanks for joining me and sharing your insights on The West Live.
1: Thanks very much, Ben.
0: You've been listening to The West Live with Ben O'Shea. If the story behind the story matters to you, then you can count on the west.com.au to deliver.